Hello everyone and welcome to In The Loop With Lou. I'm Lou, your average Aussie girl, bringing to you news stories um, relating to gossip, pop culture and anything else that I think is interesting and worth discussing. I like to keep this podcast fairly informal and unprofessional. Um, I don't edit it before I upload. I want it to sound natural like some friends discussing things they've heard over brunch or over a glass of wine. And I mean, the other reason I don't like to edit is that if I did edit or listen to the the podcast before I uploaded, I'm so pedantic um, that I would criticize the podcast recording so much that I would never upload it and just delete it. So I always straight away upload. um, And I must say, I last episode, I really thought I crushed it. Um, And then I uploaded and got tempted to listen to it back. I did. It was a mistake. I realized that um, you could hear me like swallowing my tea. I always I have a green tea obsession and I was drinking green tea during recording last episode. So that like that depressed me a bit. I thought the episode was awesome and then I listened to it back. And Anyway, so I've learned my lesson. No tea during the podcast, which is um, upsetting for me, but hopefully I'll manage. Um, Yeah, look, I'm learning as I'm going. I hope that you guys like what I'm doing please write in and let me know your thoughts or please write in and um, let me know what any thoughts that you've had or comments that you have about um, pop culture news stories I've discussed on the podcast or bring up new ones for me to look into. The email address is inthelooppodcast at gmail.com. That's in the L-O-U-P podcast at gmail.com loop with a U. You can also follow on the Instagram account, which is in the loop underscore podcast, L-O-U-P underscore podcast. Right. So anyway, I'm coming to you guys from a Wednesday night in Melbourne, Australia. I'm normally going to report record this on a Sunday afternoon, um, just once a week, but this week I'm doing more than one episode. Uh, just because I sort of missed a week for the Australian public holiday. And also, I just feel like I've got a bit to discuss. So normally, it's only going to be one episode a week. Anyway, so Wednesday night, um, what's been happening? Right, so last podcast, I discussed how in Melbourne, um, we deal with COVID a bit differently from the rest of the world, particularly um, America and Europe. We or at least like the UK, I can't comment on the whole of Europe. I'm sure each country deals with COVID differently. Um, yeah, so we we are very like COVID risk averse. We are aiming for zero community transmission, which means if there's even one COVID case in the that comes that's released into the community, we have restrictions put in place on us straight away, which is that you got to wear masks. Um, gatherings are reduced etc etc and um, we've at the same time we've got the Australian Open going on which has been a lot of international people which currently there's like caps stopping internationals which well international people being Australian citizens living overseas trying to get home there's a cap and they can't get home um, because they're 
uh, there's only a certain amount allowed in at any time and they've got to come in and do hotel quarantine, which is 14 days locked in a hotel room before they're released into the public. <laughs> um, so, right, so at the moment we've got the Australian Open, which is a bunch of international tennis players have come in for Australia, um, quite controversially, given that there's a lot of Australians at the moment from overseas that can't get home. Um, and they came and they've been put in hotel quarantine, 14 days. Um, some were allowed out to train. Um, some had to do full quarantine because they were exposed to a COVID case. I talked about that in a previous episode. Anyway, they were released. Um, but there's been a bit of bad news this week. And I talked about it on um, last episode in that there was a hotel cleaner from hotel quarantine for the Australian Open that has picked up a COVID case, which has turned out to be the UK strain which has currently not been released to Victoria yet. And as a result, um, we had masks um, were made mandatory again indoors and um, offices were meant to increase to 75% on Monday because they're currently at 50% capacity and that's been indefinitely delayed. Now, I was hoping that these measures would... Um, what's uh, the word for it, um, been taken away. Uh, or we, when we go back to what we were before, um, provided they found that the hotel cleaner had given, hadn't given COVID to anyone. And originally that looked like that was going to be the case. Um, they tested a lot of people that the cleaner had been in contact with and no one um, tested positive. So it was looking good. But we got some bad news today and yesterday in that two other hotel cleaners, these were not cleaners for hotel quarantine for the Australian Open, but just the, the other hotel quarantine, which is for Australians returning home from overseas, so the general hotel quarantine. Two cleaners um, have tested positive for COVID, um, and I believe them to be the UK strain as well. So we've now got three cleaners with ho from hotel quarantine with COVID, which means... Um, Look, potentially, like, if this gets even slightly worse, Melbourne's looking at a third lockdown, which would suck, um, or, you know, further restrictions being put in place. My work's um, sent me to work from home, which um, I don't know about you guys, but I do not like working from home. So I'm a bit upset about that. I mean, there's worse things that could be going on, but I'm a bit disappointed. Anyway, so hopefully this is all resolved in the next week or so. Um, but yeah, what is really, I guess, interesting is that if you're not living in Australia currently and you're overseas, it must sound sort of crazy that even three cases is causing um, huge drama in Melbourne, where overseas, like in America, there's thousands and thousands of COVID cases a day. So it's a really different um, approach to COVID over here. And um, yeah, it, it it is kind of interesting because it can change at a moment's notice. We can have no COVID, which is what we had before the start of this week, zero COVID cases. And then suddenly we had um, just, well, one case originally and then another two. And now we've got restrictions put in place. Um, and it just sort of, every, every, things can change really rapidly overnight. In um, Brisbane, in Queensland and Perth in Western Australia, those two cities, they had one COVID um, case from hotel quarantine and um, they those two cities were put into instant lockdown for a few days. So, yeah, it is it's sort of um, 
crazy over here. And when I say crazy, I'm not necessarily saying that I think our approach is bad. I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying it's crazy how different our approach is in comparison to a lot of other countries. Um, So I'm not going to comment on what approach I think is better. It's just more um, just interesting how different our experience of COVID has been compared to like America or the UK. Right, so that's that's what's been happening at, in Melbourne at the moment. Um, in this podcast episode, uh, the two main stories I'm going to discuss is firstly how Rihanna has caused a bit of controversy in India and the second story is going to be an extended segment on the GameStop drama. So for those of you who don't know, essentially a group of Redditors on the subreddit thread Wall Street Bets bought a bunch of shares in the company GameStop and this has caused the GameStop share price to rise, which has consequently cost the hedge funds a heap of money. So in this segment, I'll be accompanied by my brother, who's a bit of a GameStop expert, and we're going to explain exactly um, how this drama went down and explain for those of you who don't know exactly how um, this story works and um, so there's no background knowledge needed. It'll be a full overview, um, particularly for those who aren't um, up with all the financial services lingo. We'll explain everything. So that'll be at the end of this podcast episode. So stay tuned for that. Now, firstly, I'll go through a bunch of the headlines of the week. Um, the rapper Salento, um, who's the guy that does the song Nene, like the watch me whip, watch me Nene. Yeah, um, I can't sing. Um, that guy has been arrested for murdering his cousin. So that's, um, guess, quite unfortunate uh, for him and will be, I sort of think, an interesting story um, if it goes to trial and um, what may come out of trial. Um, Rebel Wilson um, has announced she's single. She um, posted a photo this week going to the um, uh, uh, Super Bowl and she looked fabulous. She lost a bunch of weight last year on a health kick um, and she was dating this like younger, like quite hot guy from Sydney who apparently is actually quite wealthy Um, and yet she's announced she's single. I did, when I first saw that she was dating him, I looked him up and he had previously gone out with um, one of the Housewives of Beverly Hills from one of the earlier seasons. And I did wonder if maybe he has a thing for going for like older famous women and I guess maybe using them for um, access to fame and etc. I mean, I don't know. Apparently he's quite wealthy in his own right from his family. So um, maybe it was genuine. I don't know. Either way, um, he was hot and she was looking fabulous. So go Rebel. Um, she's single now. Um, wish her the best. And yeah, she was going to the Super Bowl. So that's the other big story, I guess, of the week, which is that the Super Bowl happened. Now, we don't really get that in Australia. Like, it doesn't really appear on our television. Um, and I, I never even watch Australian football. So I certainly have no idea what's going on with American football. Don't know the teams, don't know who won. Um, I just know that the weekend did the halftime show. Um, 
Jojo Siwa, um, if you guys know her, she's this 17-year-old um, girl that was on um, Dance Moms, the reality television show a few years ago, and she's now this children's entertainer that's, like, super popular. She has, like, something like 20 million followers, I think, on Instagram. Huge amount. She's really popular with the younger kids. She has, like, songs and dances and she wears these, like, sparkly outfits and she really acts like sort of a child. It's a bit weird, to be honest, um, particularly since she's 17. She'll be turning 18 in a few months, like in May. Um, so I originally thought she was a bit weird, but I definitely knew that she was making a killing. So I don't know who set her up to be this, like, child, young child's entertainer, but they're definitely on to um, a money-making <laughs> scheme um anyway this well what maybe it wasn't this week but recently she announced that she is gay or lesbian um which is awesome for her to come out and announce that um and she came on the jimmy kimmel show this week talking about um her girlfriend um and i know that nickelodeon like reposted a thing from her being like congratulating jojo for coming out because i think she's linked with nickelodeon um and i think that's awesome from nickelodeon like disney would never do that and i think you know it's good she's 17 nearly 18 she's going to be an adult soon just because her job is child's entertainer doesn't mean she needs to pretend to be constantly this like perfect um childlike persona like she has a real life um and it's not like I guess for anyone that may be upset about that it's not like she's um I guess doing any lesbian content during her dances and songs um so it doesn't really affect the children that she performs for um although it's probably like a great thing for um when the children get older to look up to her um yeah I I congratulate her or I applaud her bravery because you know she definitely is making a lot of money and she's got a lot at stake by coming out and saying that she's um, a lesbian so I mean good on her and I think it's reflected really well on her for um like an older audience like for me as I said I always thought she was a bit weird this like really over-the-top childlike character that she sort of played in all her videos and on her Instagram and stuff and to see that you know she's a real person I kind of thought now I kind of like her I'm like go girls so yeah I think she's now like earned herself like a decent amount of respect from an older audience so look I think it was um a good move by her and on and yeah I applaud her bravery um there's of course she's faced some criticism from parents who don't I guess don't want their children to see that um but as I said it's not like it's going to appear in her like children's videos so I don't know why they need to be concerned um anyway go Jojo um you got a fan here now with me um and I think a lot of other people so truly wish her the best um and then the last headline I'll talk about is A-Rod um has been in the news a bit (laughs) this week um Now, he's engaged to J-Lo. He's been engaged for a few years to her now. Um, I think they were going to have a wedding, but it was delayed because of COVID. Um, And they're, like, quite an iconic couple. I think everyone loves them together. Um, But, unfortunately, he's in the news because he's been accused of cheating on J-Lo with a reality television star, Madison LaCroix, from Southern Charm. Now, in Australia, we don't get 
the reality television Southern Charm. <coughs> Sorry. Um, but for, anyway, I don't think it matters that we don't know what reality television she's from. Um, the general gist is, yeah, that apparently A-Rod um, contacted her, like DM'd her on Instagram and they were talking and um, one of her castmates, I think, from the show accused her of sleeping with him, like, in the reunion for Southern Charm, vaguely. Um, but she has come out and said, like, they never met up. Um, nothing ever happened. Um, they just talked. She said the talking was innocent. I don't know if I believe that. Um, I do know that A-Rod, he follows a bunch of, like, young, attractive like social media influences on Instagram that a couple of people have been questioning that um, after this Madison LaCroix story has come out. Um, I mean, like, I don't know why he, he follows these like um, hot women on his Instagram, like his public Instagram account. But I, I have done a little scroll through his followers on his Instagram account. And I know like he follows a bunch of people from, within the entertainment industry and sport industry. So maybe he just like follows a lot of people. I don't know. I do know I was I was listening to this other podcast. Um, won't name it because I want you guys to listen to me, not them. Um, and they said that they had interviewed him once. And so he followed them on social media. Like there were these young, like 23-ish girl, attractive girls. Um, so, and they were saying like, obviously there's nothing um, – untoward going on with them and A-Rod so maybe he just like follows a bunch of people um but there's some of the girls like I looked through some of them and you think how could he possibly have come across them in like a business context um like one well one of them was this it was a private profile so I couldn't really see the pictures but the profile picture was this girl in this like bikini and it's on a bio it said that she was a corporate flight attendant Sounds like someone that he met while like flying business or first class, etc. Um, so I don't know if like that's just he's trying to be friendly and following her, or if they've got like some sort of flirtation or something even more untoward going on there. Um, there has been some rumors that apparently A Rod and J Lo have an open relationship. Which I don't, I don't think I believe, especially since um, on the celebrity gossip site Demois, where people write in little like tips about celebrities, a lot of people were writing in to say like, no, J Lo's like super um, jealous, and she would definitely not be down for an open relationship. And there were some, you know, claims that she gets upset if he has like a female flight attendant or anything like there can't be any women around him. Which, I mean, you've got to take everything on this site with a grain of salt. It's just anonymous things that people have written in. But there were quite a few tips about J-Lo being excessively jealous around A-Rod. Which makes me think that maybe um, maybe there he is cheating or something because maybe that's driven her to, like, extreme jealousy. Or maybe she's always been like that. Who knows? Um, I also wonder if maybe the rumour about the open relationship came from maybe he was telling women that they were in an open relationship um so that you know, like the other women maybe would sleep with him and then that's how rumor got started that they were in an open relationship but they weren't maybe he was just lying about it I don't know or maybe it's just thing that's been purely made up who knows 
Um, I mean, I also wonder if my kind of guess on this, like I wouldn't put past A-Rod to cheat. Like, you know, these entitled sports stars that just think they're awesome. These guys, like they've got a rep, sports stars have got a reputation for cheating. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like I'm not, I, I must say I haven't, like don't know much about A-Rod, but I just wouldn't be surprised. Um, but my actual inkling is that maybe he's like one of those guys that likes to, flirt with women on like social media or over text and stuff and talk likes talking to other women doesn't actually maybe go through with the cheating but wants to flirt with them um just to feel like he could cheat like it's like an ego boost um I mean like literally I'm just guessing it's nothing to back this up um but apparently I used to follow this um other like podcast that's no longer in existence but they would talk a lot about um when there was drama between um, Kylie Jenner and Travis Scott when they were going out um, before they broke up, although there's now rumours that they never broke up at all. But anyway, um, yeah, around the time that they were, when they were still officially going out and, um, th- yeah, there was a lot of rumours that Travis was messaging women on Instagram and liked to talk, be talking to other women but wouldn't actually go through with anything but he, he just liked to talk to them and I think it, that it was like an ego boost. So I wonder if this was like with A-Rod, it's that he follows these women on these Instagrams. He talks to, he was talking to Madeline LaCroix and having these like flirtations just like as an ego boost to feel like he could cheat if he actually like bothered to do it. Um, who knows? Or maybe he is cheating. I don't know. Um I just know, like, they were quite an iconic couple. So, look, I hope they – hope it's all rumours and all untrue and I hope it all works out for them. Um, yeah, I mean, and if he is cheating, I think J-Lo, you're absolutely stunning. You don't need him. You can have, There's a million other men that would line up to kiss J-Lo's feet. Um, yeah. All right, well, now I'm going to move on to um, the first main story – of this podcast, which is um, Rihanna is causing a bit of trouble in India. So Rihanna tweeted a few days ago about a political issue in India. This issue is about um, farming in India. The Indian government is bringing in new regulation um, which will affect the farming industry in India. Now, farming is like one of the biggest industries in the country. I think it makes up about 15% of their GDP and employs something like half the workforce in India. So it's a really important industry. The regulation will allegedly, or this has been claimed by um, a lot of um, small-time farmers, that the regulation will... um, disadvantage them and will be to the advantage of large corporations and so large um, farming corporations will benefit and they're saying it it will um, put out a lot of small-time farmers out of business and you know when it employs so many people particularly um, people from a lower socioeconomic background in India um, this is going to affect a lot of like disadvantaged people and so in India at the moment a lot of small farmers um, 
are protesting these regulations, which they say were um, suddenly brought uh, passed through Parliament and brought into effect, I think, um, without any consultation. And yeah, they've been protesting. And I think a few days ago or last week, these protests became violent. Um, and um, yeah, like something like a bunch of police officers were injured. Um, a lot of other people were injured. Um, and consequently, the Indonesian government has cracked down on um, these protests. They've like um, reduced or, or limited the access to um, the protesters um, to the internet. They've, um, what else have they done? I'm looking through my notes now. I want to get this correct. Um, Yeah, they've, um, yeah, shut down the internet, um, like I think barricaded them. They've brought in police with riot gear. Um, Yeah, they've put cement iron rails in the roads, effectively cutting off exit and entry to some of the protest sites, Um, put up barbed wire fencing around these sites. Um, Yeah, and so the government's really cracked down in what has been described as draconian measures against these protesters. Um, And following these, like, um, developments in regards to the um, protests, Rihanna tweeted, why aren't we talking about this? Hashtag farmers protest. And she attached a CNN article about how India has cut off the internet around New Delhi as protesting farmers clash with police. Um, Within a few hours of this tweet, uh, Swedish environmental activist Greta Thunderberg also tweeted in solidarity of the farmers protesting in India. Um, And then this really upset the Indian government um, and they uh, released a statement saying that foreign individuals shouldn't rush to comment on matters that don't affect them. And of few other important figures in India came out criticising um, people, essentially, I guess, Rihanna, um, for uh, what they said was interfering with India's sovereignty. sovereignty. Um, you know, which is essentially like they were saying, this is our business, not people that don't aren't Indian or don't live in the country. Um, you know, leave the country to the actual people that live there. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of, yeah, a lot of criticism from um, important figures in India um, and also, like, a lot of criticism from Indian Bollywood celebrities. Uh, although, in, in an interesting twist, um, a lot of people, like, particularly fans in India of these Bollywood stars thought that they were being pressured by the Indian government to um, come out in support of them and their regulations and criticise other people, i.e. Rihanna, um, either other foreign people from commenting on India's business. This um, fan theory has been backed up by other political figures in India have called for an investigation into these tweets by these Bollywood stars where they essentially believe that, yes, the 
Indian government has pressured these Bollywood stars into tweeting um, in favour of them and in favour of their farming regulations that they're bringing in. So it will be really interesting to see if um, there is an investigation into these Bollywood tweets um, and uh, whether or not the um, Indian government is pressuring people in India to come out and support them um, because that would be quite corrupt if that was the case. Um, But, look, anyway, I think in regards to Rihanna, it wasn't very smart of the Indian government to um, tweet in response to Rihanna and come out... um, quite negatively to her comments because I think it would kind of been in their interest just to ignore her um, and hope that it fades out of public news cycle. Um, Whereas getting involved and criticising foreign people for um, interfering in India's matters, um, it's bringing more attention to these um, protests and the farming regulations they're trying to bring in. And I think it's also brought attention um, from uh, international human rights groups um, who are looking into these protests. Um, And I think, I think, well, I think it shows the power of Rihanna that one tweet from her and it could upset the government of one of the biggest countries in the world. Um, And like, I think it's great that Rihanna is using her like power for good, as they say, um, and her popularity to bring attention to um, potential human rights abuses um, and issues that are not on the, I guess, on the Western world's radar um, as much. So, yeah, I think good on Rihanna. Um, Don't know the Indian government handled um, her tweets as well as they could have. Um, And I hope, um, yeah, the the protests um, in India are um, peacefully resolved and I hope um, the India's farmers are not um, disadvantaged by these regulations. Before I jump into the next segment, I will just say um, it's going to sound a bit different on the audio compared to how I'm sounding now because it was done off like a different speaker because there's two of us talking. Um, so yeah, it's going to sound a bit different. I apologize for that. As I said, this is a very amateur podcast. Um, and I'm really not very tech savvy for a young person. I'm honestly really terrible at technology. I'm going to be a really, um, annoying old person, like asking my grandkids, like, how does this, um, I don't know what we're going to have in the future. Like, how does this hoverboard work? Um, yeah, so I will improve, um, my guest audio, um, in the future um but for the moment bear with me all right so now um we are going to go into the GameStop segment i'm going to be accompanied by um a GameStop specialist my brother um who's going to go under the um name t that's what we call him at home so yeah this is so Everyone, uh, this is T. Um, he's currently studying um, at university, studying um, a degree in business and banking and finance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he is uniquely qualified to tell you guys about GameStop and what's been happening in terms of that drama because he was actually follows the Wall Street Bets site and um, watch it all unfold in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Whereas I was a bit late to the party. I only got um, wind of this sort of last week. But it's definitely an interesting story, so I'd like to discuss it with you guys. Um, there's a couple movies in the works, which I'll go into. But before I talk about that, um, I'm going to give you uh, a bit of a background as to what's happened with GameStop. If you haven't been following the news and you don't know anything about it, uh, we're going to give you um, hopefully an understanding of the whole issue. So you don't need any background knowledge. Um, yeah, and we'll just, I guess, start from the start. Yeah. Hello, fellow loyal listeners. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was following uh, the Wall Street Bets subreddit um, fairly briefly. I'd only browse it occasionally, but this thing kept popping up about GameStop, who I, I knew was a company in America, but they're not based in anywhere else, not in Australia at least. And um, there was a guy that would post all these um, threads about you can see um, on certain trading sites how uh, when companies short uh, certain stocks or, or in massive volumes. And he Which said, we'll explain what shorting is in a second, but yeah. So he pretty much said, this is really odd. Uh, this was when GameStop share price was at $4, really, really low, probably at all-time history low for the company. And he said, this is bizarre. They're not, they are on the way out because they are a brick and mortar um, video game shopping store but that's a really low price for it to go down any lower he thought was ridiculous and he and he um, shared with everyone on, on the subreddit you share how much uh, money you put into certain stocks and you show screenshots like that and he and he put lots of money into it into calls which are pretty much the opposite of a short which we'll explain in a bit but um, every, this was I'd say mid mid 2020 and everyone on the threat uh subreddit said he was crazy um he's gonna lose all his money he put in a ridiculous amount i think around sixty thousand dollars of his own money and then in the last probably a month ago um the whole subreddit sees that there's and so this is a this subreddit chain. So it's called Wall Street Bets, mm. and it's like a group of people that um, like to, I guess, take uh, invest in stock together for a bit of sort of what they would call like high risk stock. Oh. It's it's you know just something that's priced really low, and they randomly throw a little bit of money at it and see if it pays out. It's sort of it's gambling on yeah. the stock market yeah and so yeah he yeah. posts that he's decided to take a big gamble on GameStop this yeah. um yeah, video game company um well a video game like store it doesn't make mm. video games it sells yeah. other video games yeah. um what I think is yeah. important to know especially with all the media articles coming out Wall Street Bets isn't a um um organized investing group like before this people were um posting their screenshots of ridiculously risky investments into certain stocks people were um wanting stocks certain stocks to go up where other people were disagreeing they'll go i'm doing a ridiculous risky bet and that stock going down so it definitely wasn't a unified organized uh group that would um it was just a communication platform yeah. of people who i guess share a desire to just take some like yeah. random risky gambles on the, the stock market yeah. yeah see the most ridiculous things possible and it's you know it's for fun mm. um which now it sort of looks 
the media portraying as people all put their money into GameStop so it could go up. Like that they were that they organised and coordinated yeah. it together, which you're saying was not the case. I I think this is probably the only time in the subreddit's history that they've all banded together like that. Um, so pretty much how that happened is everyone pointed out how many these couple of funds in particular put so much money into shorting GameStop. I think. Hedge funds? Yeah, it was a hedge fund called Melbourne Capital. And for, for, I'll just pause you there. For people who don't know, what is a hedge fund? It's pretty much you bring a lot of capital into one organisation and then they decide how they want to allocate capital into investments, whether that be shares or government bonds or like real estate investment, investing, but particularly this... This fund is a high volatility fund. I don't know. I wouldn't think it'd be a retirement fund where average people are putting their money into it. I think it'd be pretty wealthy people would you know put their put their money into it. High um, uh, like net worth yeah. individuals are the people that um are uh, investors in hedge funds. Yeah. Not all hedge funds. Some hedge funds are low volatility. Oh, okay. I always thought it was mainly... Um... No, yeah. Some, some are for retirement sort of hedge funds. Sort oh, okay. of like a, the superannuation version of a Right, and super, superannuation yeah. is a um, uh, um, retirement investment fund in Australia for those. Yeah. I don't know what, the, what they're called in America or the they rest of the world. There's probably different names across other parts of the world. Anyway, so... Right, so... They noticed that a hedge fund was um, heavily yeah. shorting against GameStop. Yeah, so what a short is... GameStop, sorry. <laughs> GameStop. Stock of GameStop. Yeah. So what a short is... The simplest I can put it is if you take an asset, let's say a car, for example, that is not yours, and you go to someone that owns this asset, this car, for example, and go... Can I borrow your car um, for a month? There has to be a contractual time period that where it ends. Um, and you borrow it and you sell it to the market for its market value. Let's say it's 20 grand. You sell it straight away and you get that $20,000. But by the end of the month, you're real required to give back that car to the original owner. So what? In theory, your you want to happen is the value of that car. Sorry about that noise. That was my computer. <laughs> so <you laughs> so want, unprofessional. You want the value of that car to go down for whatever reason. You think um, this car, you know, the demand in the market for this car is going to just rapidly drop <laughs> off in a month. And so say this car's value does go down, down to $10,000. You go... By the end of the month, when that contract is up, and you go and repurchase the same car to give back to the original owner, and so you've returned the car, but what you've done is made a profit of ten thousand dollars. Because you've bought the car back for less, you pocket the difference. Yeah. So you're you're assuming or betting on the fact that the what the item you have borrowed in this example a car mm. is going to reduce in value. So when you buy it back, you buy it for less and therefore you've made money. You also have to pay interest on borrowing this. Okay, I didn't so, realise that. Um, you can have really long 
um, expiry on your shorts that you constantly have to pay interest. Pre- on like interest pre- premiums? Yeah. yeah. So, which comes sort of into play when we talk about GameStop and what they were trying to do is all these people on Wall Street Bet, Bet subreddit got together and said, if we, we buy this stock... Um, it must, the price has to go up. There's about, there was, I think there was about 3 million members at the time, you know, say everyone buys what they can mm. and the price did shoot up. Right. So they noticed that this hedge funds and one hedge fund in particular mm. were shorting GameStop's um, stock uh, shares, which means that, um, so they were betting against, they were betting on the fact that they thought GameStop shares were going to go down in price and they had a lot of money on that bet. And the Redditors thought, well, hold, if we all buy these shares and we make the price go up, they're going to lose their bet. The hedge funds will lose their bet that they've, that um, yeah. the stock, the, um, I keep saying stock, the shares will go down, um, which will essentially fuck over the hedge funds. Yeah. And they, they have to pay interest every month or so on these contracts to borrow, to short the, the, the share price. So every month that this, the share price is really high, they have to pay a huge interest premium because um, say, for example, a, a share is massively overpriced and everyone agrees it's got to come down at some point. The interest premium to execute a, a short would be really expensive because the likelihood of the price coming down is high right because it's a safe bet so yeah. therefore to do that it's an expensive yeah th- uh, privilege to have right yeah so their interest premiums are ridiculously high on these shorts so all the subreddit was saying is the longer we can keep this share price really high the more money that they lose more money the hedge funds lose yeah yeah on, yeah. yeah. So essentially it was, yeah, if we if we buy the GameStop shares, we'll make the price go up and that will fuck over the hedge funds. Essentially, is that yeah. <laughs> the yeah. quickest summary I can give you? Yep, yeah, pretty much. Okay, right. And so the Redditors, so they, they, they realized the hedge funds were um, shorting or betting against GameStop shares yep. and... They realised that they could hurt the hedge funds mm. by buying GameStop shares, um, and and they all got together and decided to buy the shares. Or what was the um, motive? Yeah, what was the um, what, what was the discussions on the forum? What were the reasons why they all got involved? Well, I think early on, mainly it was the arrogance from the hedge funds. There was one they posted on Twitter like we're doing a live stream. Exp- explain to our shareholders, the shareholders of the fund, the yeah. fund, like why we've got such a huge position on, on shorting GameStop and why everyone investing it are pretty much suckers and they're going to lose all their money. So it was a really arrogant uh, few posts from them on social media and then they're like, this is ridiculous. Uh, they've got so much money. And it was also GameStop was really nostalgic, I think, for a lot of them. I assume all these subreddit people or most of them are you know 20s to 30s pretty young people that don't have a huge background in finance or a traditional finance background and but they may have been gamers oh yeah um, so it's, 
definitely nostalgic for that. Yeah, and I guess statistically, like, not to generalize here or be sexist here but i think probably most likely a large portion of them were males so that they're more likely to be interested in the stock market um at a young age anyway so um that tends to be slightly more male dominated interest generally so it was more yeah i guess males and then males are more likely to be people that would have been gamers as well again i know that there's female gamers but general Mm -hmm. generalizing the the probably the a significant portion of those people were um, yeah, y- young guys that um, were gamers and had this mm. sort of nostalgia for um, mm. the store that was GameStop. Yeah, alongside GameStop early on, there was also a similar company storyline. It was like a failing cinema company called AMC and that must have been like a really big cinema company all over America you know? mm-hmm. Really, Shim really struggled during COVID and um, are pretty much going broke and they were being shorted as well. Mm. So that one also um, spiked their share price, but it's not, not as much as GameStop. Yeah. Do you think um, as well, it was a bit of um, a poor versus rich um, came into yeah, it, this definitely. sort of like they're the um establishment the big Mm. people and it's sort of like all the little people getting together and rising up against um the sort of wealthy establishment definitely and it was also a a lot of it was about um the playing field is has never been in favor of small individuals with not much money Mm. and that's to do with shady um, legalities and pay, you know, that bend, benefit bending, bending um, the rules that benefit larger corporations or yeah. um, high net worth individuals, yeah, hedge exactly. funds. Um, yeah, and I, th- I think as well, um, there was a little bit of, um, I, I don't know how you would call it, um, but there was a, a little, I think, probably tension with hedge funds left over from the global financial crisis. Mm. Um, yeah. And, you know, people think that they, hedge funds may have played a role in that or they felt just maybe annoyed that they, some hedge funds benefited from that. Um, and, you know, I think they probably, people felt like they wanted to, it yeah. was still, still, it was only 2008. It's still fresh in people's minds. And I guess they wanted like a bit of revenge too. Yeah, I think the finance industry is really uh, interesting dynamic with the sort of people that run it um not to get too into rant about the finance industry but it's a really delicate industry in how it affects everyone in a country true it's the most highly regulated industry there is and for good i can attest to that i um work in the financial industry in financial yeah. industry regulation specifically. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So like banking, investment banking, mm-hmm. hedge funds, if they screw around with people's money um, and they do the wrong thing and they, if they trip up, you know, it's the average Joes that lose out and that's what happened in the financial crisis. But they've still happened to have this mindset of if we have enough money, our high risky bets with enough money and funding behind it, can't lose. Is that the hedge funds? They think like they're too big to fail kind of mentality. Yeah, and it's it's a mirror uh, image of what happened in 2008. 
and they thought they were too they were too big to fail and somebody and the Wall Street bets tried to attempted and did a pretty good job in making them mm-hmm. take some sort of a loss. Yeah. So all right. So for a multitude of reasons, um, the redditors on this sub thread um, were motivated um, by the idea that yes let's get back with the hedge funds and let's invest in GameStop Mm. so people started buying up the shares and I guess they were a cheap share at the time so it was um, a relatively small investment for the chance I guess to be involved in this like Mm -hmm. almost um, uniting revenge scheme to get back at the hedge funds and people felt like this urge to be like stuff it I want to be involved I'll put some money down yeah yeah, and I think they're trying to teach them a lesson, but I, I doubt that you know, they, they're going to change. <laughs> Do they ever learn? Um, right, so everyone got behind it, they invested, and then the um, GameStop shares started to rise. Mm. and um, They exploded, yeah. In, a, in about, I think, three or four days, it went from $30 to 300 and... Mm-hmm. That was around the media peak where everyone's going, oh, we have no idea what's going to happen. Do you think some people, when they, initially when they some first articles came out about it or it started trending on Twitter or whatever, some other people that weren't on the Reddit thread mm. but heard about it then and thought that were, again, other just average people that thought, I want to get involved in this, I want to... Do you think yeah. Do you think you had people that jumped on the bandwagon as well, it increasing would... the share price further? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But it would have had to be in the same demographic. Yeah. A lot of the, from looking at the comments on social media, a lot of the older generation and the boomer generation really were actually on the hedge fund side. They were reading these, they were reading the articles, a lot of the early articles and thinking this is a pump and dump scheme by a big group of people, which is illegal. Mm-hmm. So a pump and dump scheme is when you organize every large group of people to buy a stock so the price goes up and so you can all sell and then Mm. so you've manipulated the price and it's and manipulating the market is illegal yeah very illegal and so that that's how the the original articles were written that everyone's gotten together and surged the approach um price of GameStop just just for them to make a buck which wasn't true and i a lot of comments were by the older generation pretty dismissive of dismissive of it and really didn't understand that it's trying to change the the finance industry mm. not just do ridiculous bets with pe- other people's money mm. yeah um and so they got yeah so the share price went up and um you know the consequence of that mm. was that the hedge funds um started losing a lot of money and they have to under their contract when they're when they're shorting mm. they've got to um buy back the shares and yeah. um because they they're under contract yeah. to do so and that will cost them a lot of money now that the share price is so high yeah and also another fun thing about that is if the share price does not decrease so if it goes up and stays up and their their short expires they have to buy back that share and so what happens when people all these thousands of shorts have to go back into the market and buy the shares, the price goes up even further. Mm. And they call that a short squeeze. Oh, okay. So you might have been... that before. Yeah. So that's when they're, all their shorts end and they theoretically give up and they lose, then the price goes up even further. But 
reality that's not what happened that's not yeah it's not what happened they they just keep buying more and more shorts until they win eventually right and so how much do they think um this has cost the hedge funds um at the moment there was rumors that it was at the height of the share price around a three three hundred fifty dollars they they were down 80 billion dollars one of the funds oh okay i heard i read um five billion somewhere but you 80 billion depends what time you read it because right. the share price would have meant that they'd only be yeah. down five billion and that i think at the peak melbourne capital which was their biggest the biggest shorter um was down half their portfolio which you can imagine yeah. they'd have billions in their portfolio and they've they haven't it's not done because they haven't realized their losses because they haven't had to their contract yeah, isn't up to buy nothing. back the share but if it um, were to yeah. end there they would half of their you know their mm-hmm. inventory is gone which is crazy mm. so and the share price so you said the share price initially went to its peak but then it started to go down um was yeah. that what caused that so all the retail investors on wall street bets these are the redditors yeah they call them retail investors and yeah. the traditional uh, just hedge funds or whatever you want to call them. Um, they all use a free trading app called Robinhood. Mm-hmm. And this is like an app anyone yeah, can have on their phone. You can download it in America. I think it, you can only get it. Mm-hmm. But they all, massive majority of them used it, which is pretty amazing to me. I would have thought you'd have a few more options to trade, but... They all seem to use that. And like, then, I guess just a convenient app but I think, for everyday people. Yeah. yeah it's, it's like, I guess everyone uses Netflix. Sort yeah, of I use, guess. Yeah. It's probably true. And um, one day they restricted trading on, on this games. This is the app Robinhood? Yeah. yeah. Now, some people were like, oh, this is, they're getting paid off by, you know, the hedge funds. Because Robinhood is owned by hedge funds. Yeah. Well... Their their majority owner is a company called Citadel, who they own a few hedge funds. So it's like a massive parental company. Yeah. So the yeah so the hedge funds, um, kind of basically own, um, Robinhood the app that Mm. the redditors were buying the GameStop shares on, and Robinhood restricted their access and the access of the redditors and stopped people being able to buy more GameStop yeah. um, shares so that they could stop the um, share price skyrocketing. Yeah, that's how it looked. Mm. It didn't look bad, but then... You mean it didn't look good? Yeah, it didn't look good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then every, pretty much every other um, brokerage restricted trading on the same stocks. Brokerage is where you buy your yeah. shares. Yeah, and I even looked... Uh, ANZ mm. and NAB, you can yeah. buy shares. And Those are two um, banks in Australia, um, yeah. and they have apps you can buy shares. Yeah, even though we're trying to restrict. Interesting. Why? So, I wonder why um, it's, our yeah. banks would be trying to restrict people buying GameStop. It's to do with um, the volume of shares available. If there's such a huge demand for these shares and they can't supply it, what happens is they're, they're giving out shares to 
letting people buy the shares that don't actually exist. They're not available for people to buy because there's such a huge demand. Mm. It, it's a strange, complicated process, but if they get caught um, selling people shares and they can't find the shares in time... Right, because you sold them something yeah. that doesn't exist, it's basically. huge penalties and just a huge screw around. So I'm pretty sure... Because all these brokerages around the world are restricting trading, it's something to do with the huge demand for the share. Okay, because it's been reported and initially it looked like um, the hedge funds got um, the app Robinhood to stop people, allowing people to buy GameStop shares so that they could stop the share price going up and they could Mm. stop and limit the amount of money the hedge funds are losing, which would be manipulating the market, which is illegal, as we've said. So if if that is the case from Robinhood, the app, and that would mean, yeah, that the everyday people, um, it would be unfair to them and and it would benefit the um, hedge funds. And essentially, yeah, it would be manipulating the market. Um, And there was a mention that um, a couple um, US... uh, um, Senate um, senators uh, were potentially mm. going to look into um, whether yeah. or not there was that was illegal by Robin Hood to stop people buying GameStop shares. I'm sure there is some sort of foul play there, like, or yeah. always is in that industry, but I'm not 100% convinced on that it was just as plain as Robin Hood was trying to stop people from... Yeah, um, because there was multiple forums that followed stopping yeah. people buying GameStop shares. Unless there's this massive, powerful hand in play that's going, right, yeah. you brokerage, that brokerage, you're all not selling GameStop. Mm. It's hard to know. Interesting if anything comes out. Wouldn't well, be, wouldn't... I, yeah, I guess like it could be both in that Robinhood was the first one to stop people buying shares. Mm. So it could be initially the hedge funds going, the hedge funds going, stop, stop them buying it. Stop. This is causing us so much money. Stop. And then afterwards that issue of the demand came in from the other platforms and they slowed the selling of shares. Mm. Um, So it could, could be both theoretically. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we never find out if it gets covered. You don't think there'll be an investigation. Well, the SEC, I don't know what the SEC is like. These, this is the people that invest, you know, regulate the American financial industry. Yeah. But I don't know if they're useless or if they're really good at, you know, keeping things in order. I would guess, I would guess that it's probably not the latter. But well, I mean, I think they're pretty strict from my from my work. As I said, I work in um, financial regulation, actually, and we have an office in America, and so we have had to deal with the SEC. But I don't, I, mm. I really, I don't know. We haven't had, I haven't personally had much dealings, so I can't really speculate. Mm. Yeah, so I mean, we, we're just two Australians, so we don't, we haven't had much exposure to the mm. SEC. Who knows? They could be working away. Do you think, because they also, there was also the suggestion initially that the Redditors were manipulating the market by getting together and buying the GameStop shares, like organizing to buy them together. And that was market manipulation. Do you think there'll be any investigation into that? Well, you can't because it's, it's not an organized group. There's no leader. Yeah. So you don't think that would go anywhere? Everyone's, it's, it's, they're all their free will to buy the stock and also it's their free will to sell whenever they want. 
Yeah. So yeah, that's the next bit I was going to bring up is that at the moment, so the share price has been dropping because people haven't been able to continue to buy GameStop shares, but um, people are still holding on to shares and refusing to sell, right? Yeah, there's a large majority that are holding, but there'd definitely be people that can't afford to lose what they've put in. Mm. And... Or and because they could have made some have made lots of money and they want to yeah, take their money and run yeah quietly yeah. dip out because it, it inevitably inevitably will go down and mm. it's a quick matter of do you want to lose all that money or not mm. well but some people have decided to hold on to their shares mm. at least until the hedge funds their shorting period runs out yeah essentially to make sure that the hedge funds really are screwed mm. over. So it's sort of a principal thing with them. Yeah. They're still going, you know, you can't make me sell. Yeah. Um, and even if they, if they never, if they don't sell, they hold the share price. Um, whereas at a, you know, I guess a higher amount, maybe not at its peak, but they still hold it at a high amount, um, which will damage the hedge mm. funds. Um, For a lot of those yeah. people, it's not about the money for them. It's, it's a the, principal thing. Yeah, it's the, it's the fighting the cause, I suppose. Yeah. So they if they just hold on to their shares long enough, it'll mm, really screw with hedge funds and it will keep the share price <clears throat> at a, yeah, a high level. Whereas if you do sell, the more shares that go on the market, the share price will drop. So yeah. the more people that hold on to the shares, they yeah. keep the price high yeah. and screw with the hedge funds. Yeah, exactly. And But the thing is, you don't know a company's short position. They don't... You, they could be buying more short positions right now for all we know. So by short positions, we mean the period of time before they have to essentially give back the mm. share to who they borrowed it from, which means they have to buy back the yeah. share at the price. And so they want to, if it's if, you, if it's soon, they've got to buy the share back at a higher price. Yeah. But if they wait till the share price eventually drops, they, they will lose less money because they'll buy it yeah. back at a lower price. Yeah. Yeah. So um, all their original short positions would have would have closed out and they would have lost heaps of money. But what they... Because they have so much... They have billions and billions of dollars and they're getting constantly getting cash injections from all their parental companies. If they just keep buying more short positions... So essentially extending that period of time yeah. before they have to buy the share and, ascend, and at whatever price the stock market set, says it's yeah. at. Um, if it eventually the price goes down, then they they make enough profit to cover all their losses. Yeah, so they're just they're buying time essentially. Yeah, yeah. They realistically they've got more money than any retail investor combined with mm. millions of other retail investors on this Reddit subreddit. But um, yeah. So it's really interesting thing to yeah. think about in terms of the principle and the cause. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely an interesting story, which brings me to um, uh, that there is going to apparently be a few GameStop movies. Um, I I think a, a few production co- companies have rushed to get rights to make um, GameStop films. I've even seen an article that says there's as many as three movies that are going to be made and one television show, which um, I think we're, bored, we're, we're getting close to there being too many GameStop movies. Um, Netflix, I think, was the first one to come out and say they're going to do a GameStop movie, mm. followed by um, uh, MGC Production Company and HBO. And then also I've seen um, the producer or director, um, Brett, 
Ratner is apparently going to has apparently acquired the rights to make a movie based on the life of Jamie so Rogozinski, the founder of the online betting forum Wall Street Bets. So that's the um, Reddit forum. He's really shady, the creator. Is he? He's had a shady background in his followers in the Mexican government and you know how corrupt they are. But um, Apologies to any people from Mexico. <laughs> the government, not Mexican people. But um, he has a really odd past and in fact he was banned from the subreddit. His account was banned. And he's the online founder. Yeah, they banned him. So, Because he was trying to turn the subreddit into a something for his own gain like everyone come he promoted like this brokerage app that i'm sure he had a vested interest in and they're like no what you, this isn't a you know your your cash pig this is a free online communication forum, forum yeah. for people with a similar interest Stop trying to make money in off it. buying shares yeah so yeah so they yeah brett ratner has apparently got the rights to a movie based on the life of this um, Jamie Rodzinski um, character. Um, if you say he's shady, I mean, that kind of works in that Brett, Brett Ratner, I don't know if you um, guys uh, remember a while ago, he was um, in 2017 accused by multiple women of sexual har- harassment or um, sexual misconduct. Um, so he's sort of um, not, well, not really liked at the moment. I I mean, there were only accusations, of course, Um but yeah, he's uh, not a popular director at the moment. So interesting. Um, you've got two shady characters making a movie. Mm, um, that I wouldn't wouldn't expect that one to actually happen. Well, yeah, there was a big campaign to um, um, what um, boycott Brett Kavanaugh. Um, so I, I, I especially if there's already going to be maybe three other movies, he's going to have trouble convincing people to watch his. Yeah, it, there's so many sides to the story and I think whoever does get the chance to do it has to do a really good job getting a really fair view of every side. Mm. And if they can get into asking the hedge fund people who made these decisions what their thoughts and rationale and what was actually going on behind the scenes for them, maybe they can't because maybe they're doing illegal things. Mm. Um why do you think there's such... I mean, it's it's obviously a very entertaining story and there's lots of twists and turns, as we've discussed, but why do you think so many of these production companies um, are rushing to get the rights of this movie? Like, what do you think it is about the GameStop story that everyone wants mm. to make a movie about it? I'm not quite sure. It's Obviously, there's been a massive media frenzy, but that can always die. But they've seen the subreddit has 8.5 million members of people watching the story for unfold you mm. know, and which you, oh, you were one of them yeah so that's eight and a half million people interested in the story happening right in you know in real time mm. how many people do you think would be interested in watching the story told professionally mm. through a script and a plot mm. I, I would say way more um, and you also think like it, it, this movie, um, well, the, the story sounds very similar sort of to um, like the movie, like The Big Short, which was like an Oscar winning mm. film and quite a popular film. Yeah. And people are even talking about that it's going to be like The Big Short number two. Yeah. Um, 
like the sequel. So do you think do you think these production companies think they're going to make essentially like another one of these big Oscar-winning films with this story? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Or like, what was the other one? Wolf of Wall Street type. Mm. Yeah, yeah, those ones. Those two movies in particular captivated the exact demographic that are on Wall Street bets. Like, mm. I can just tell, like, that's these people's favourite two movies. <laughs> yeah. So... They just want to do it, recreate it if they could, of something everyone can relate to. Well, and I guess that they've seen the success of both those mm. movies. They saw the commercial success of those movies, and they think mm. here's a story, an original story, um, but essentially a really similar type of story that we know it's going to be very marketable and it's probably going to be quite commercially successful. I guess it's also like, um, you know, Tonya Harding yeah. movie. Yeah, I, Tonya with um, Margot yeah. Robbie. That was very... Uh, in the public and famous so everyone can be like oh, I remember that when that happened I watched mm. it out on the news if this comes out in a couple of years they go oh, I remember that when you know I was browsing these threads mm. or I was watching that on the news or reading articles about it's a similar sort of yeah like real story and I guess everyone also I mean they just people love a good underdog story this is mm. essentially what we have here a bunch of underdogs they band together and you know they quote you know <laughs> They basically, you know, air quotes, win against the big bad guy. Mm. So I think I think that's it's a very Hollywood um, sort of uh, yeah Hollywood kind of fairy tale kind of story. It's it's not often mm. in real life that the little guy um, takes on the big guy and. I actually think it'll wins. be a similar ending to like the Big Short. If uh, if you, any of you have seen it, the ending is very bittersweet because. Mm. All these people that have gone against the grain to make these bets. These are the, these were actually the hedge funds, right? Yeah, that were yeah. they were shorting. So what we talked about before, betting against. They were shorting the housing market, yeah. betting against the housing market. So they end up winning because the market does crash, and they make a lot of money, a ridiculous amount, um, during the financial crisis. And then everyone else, you know, a lot of everyday people mm. lose a lot of money, and whereas they benefit, you know, the, these rich yeah. people. Um, make heaps of money um, off essentially like the tragedy of the crash yeah. of the world economy, not even the American economy. Yeah, yeah, the bank, you know, all those those ending scenes of the banks, um, employees leaving and they're in tears and stuff. It could be. And a then all those there was like shots of people like homeless and mm. um, yeah, I mean, I and I think you know in that movie we saw that the hedge funds really benefit and make millions of dollars and their everyday people really suffered so i think you know and this is the story of like the revenge story the part two of it now it's the everyday people going you guys you know made a lot of money when we suffered now we're going to make a lot of money while you guys suffered yeah suffer in a way the first one the the banks and or uh investment bankers and hedge funds that that did not agree with that the housing market was going to crash. Mm. They they lost out, right? These they, are like the big banks like Goldman Sachs. Um, but they all survived except for um, the big banks. The were, yeah, they were bailed out by um, yeah, the, the American government. government they the all, taxpayers. They all survived and all... You could assume the wealthiest people involved in that industry all survived quite fine. Yeah. So... I guess it was a re- revenge on that 
in that sense. But I think it's also specifically this wasn't people getting revenge on the big banks, and that really that hasn't been they haven't been able to do that. This is them getting revenge on the like the, the people that suffered were the hedge funds in this scenario, and you know the the, the big banks haven't been involved in this. This is people versus like hedge funds. It's all this pretty much the same industry. You think people though. view everyday people view big banks and hedge funds as well, the sort like, of a, kind of as the same thing. Goldman Sachs has a huge fund, fund like hedge fund type operation. They like as a sort of a subsidiary investing. part of their business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Humongous. So you think like so they are, you know, sort of taking a hit yeah. from this as well. Yeah, same with the banks in Australia. They all invest. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, so basically, yeah, the financial services industry, it's all tied together. And this is yeah. um, everyone getting a revenge on... Mm. Wall Street. Yeah, Wall Street. Um, all right, well, I'm going to end this now. Thank you so much for joining me, T. All right. Um, I must say, I've just got one criticism, and that is that you didn't tell me to invest when the prices were low, and I could have made a bunch of money, and then I'd be fanning myself in the Caribbean right now. Um, if I had a crystal ball, I would have, but yeah, well, anyway, in hindsight, oh, well, all right. Well, that's, this has been a great story. Thanks for joining me. And, um, uh, yeah, I, if anyone has any thoughts on GameStop or, um, any like interesting comments, um, please email into the email address in the loop podcast at gmail.com. That's loop L O U P. Um, and let me know your thoughts. All right. Thank you.